It's Thursday, February the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Trump acquitted and Hong Kong visitors quarantined. First, the world in brief. America's Senate acquitted President Donald Trump in his impeachment trial. Few expected any other outcome as Republicans rallied round the president ahead of November's election. Just one of their number, Mitt Romney, voted to convict Mr. Trump for abuse of power for having leaned on Ukraine to investigate a son of Joe Biden, his political rival. Mr. Romney called it the most abusive and destructive violation of one's oath of office that I can imagine. Everyone entering Hong Kong from mainland China will be quarantined for 14 days as part of efforts to limit the spread of the Wuhan coronavirus, which has killed at least 560 people on the mainland and just two people elsewhere. Globally, more than 28,000 cases have been confirmed, all but a few hundred in China. The world's big pharmaceutical companies are doing the splits. GlaxoSmithKline, a British giant, is to break up into a research and development firm and a separate business focusing on consumer healthcare. Merck, an American competitor, is hiving off around 90 products into a standalone enterprise so the remaining business can focus on cancer drugs. At least 38 people were killed by two avalanches hours apart on the same spot of a snowy mountainside in eastern Turkey. Many of them were rescue workers hit by the second while searching for survivors from the first, which covered a motorway near the town of Bacheserai. More than 50 people were still thought to be trapped in their vehicles. Spotify added the most paying subscribers in its history in the fourth quarter of 2019, alongside growth in users who listen to ads. It attributed some of the expansion to heavy investment in podcasts. Nonetheless, the company swung from an operating profit of $54 million in the third quarter to a loss of $77 million in the fourth. General Motors announced a $200 million loss on revenues of $30.8 billion, which fell 19.7% year-on-year in the three months to the end of December. The American car-making giant was hit hard by a strike, which lasted from September to October, reducing its profits by billions of dollars. The company also revised down its earnings forecast, predicting no increase in 2020. The parliament in Thuringia in eastern Germany elected Thomas Kemmerich from the Free Democrats as state premier. Mr Kemmerich's shocking victory was made possible only with votes from the far-right Alternative for Germany, AFD. No state government has previously been elected with AFD support. Politicians across the spectrum expressed dismay at the result. And correction, in some editions of yesterday's Espresso, we said that the Shiaburi Dam in Laos was Chinese-run. That was wrong. It is backed by Thai investors and delivers most of its electricity to Thailand. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. A whiff of acrimony, e-cigarette policy. A restriction on certain flavorings of e-cigarette enacted by America's Food and Drug Administration takes effect today. It is intended to halt the recent sharp rise in youth vaping by targeting flavors particularly popular with the young while continuing to allow products for older consumers. Advocates of a full ban fear, though, that teenage consumers will simply be diverted to exempted items such as menthol and tobacco-flavored e-cigarettes or disposable e-cigarettes. 
These exclusions were granted as a result of pressure from small businesses and adult consumers. The debate about e-cigarettes has become heated in recent months thanks to concern over vaping-related injuries and even deaths. But a recent study by the New England Journal of Medicine has calmed matters by concluding that the likely culprit was a contaminant called vitamin E acetate, which is found in black market vaping cartridges containing THC, the chemical behind the psychological effects of cannabis. No longer down under, Uber shows signs of recovery. Will Uber ever make money? Today, the troubled ride-hailing company has another chance to prove its naysayers wrong when it reports earnings for the fourth quarter of 2019. And if the recent rally of the firm's shares, they reached nearly $39 yesterday, up from their bottom of $26 in mid-November and close to their IPO price of $41 in May, is any guide, the numbers will beat expectations. Investors are heartened by recent cost-cutting. Uber laid off 350 employees in October and in January said that it would sell its food delivery business in India. In the previous quarter, the firm also managed to eke out a small operating profit estimated to be $120 million from its trademark ride-hailing business, which implies a margin of about 1%. But the recent share rally seems premature. Uber's numbers have to get a lot better to justify the price rise. Greenish, Equinor and the Environment When Equinor, Norway's state-owned oil giant, reveals fourth-quarter results today, it will be keen to point out how green it is getting. Rather less will be heard about the riches that its big new North Sea oil field will yield. Production at the field, Johan Sverdrup, began in January. Equinor insists that its drilling there is much cleaner than that of rivals. Emissions from production on the platform are about 700 grams of CO2 per barrel, compared with the global average of 18 kilograms, thanks to the use of electricity from hydroelectric dams rather than gas-fired turbines. Equinor also said last month that it would spend 50 billion Norwegian kroner, $5.4 billion over the next decade, to cut greenhouse gas emissions from its onshore and offshore plants by 40% by 2030 and to nearly zero by 2050. Any fossil fuel company making such announcements courts accusations of greenwashing, but Equinor's efforts put it among the most ambitious of the oil majors. Scrambled the Democratic primaries. No one knew quite what to expect from the Iowa caucuses. Baffling technical errors kept the final poll from being published, but the results were startling nonetheless. As the dust slowly settled, Pete Buttigieg emerged in the front rank. The former mayor of a small city is brainy and likeable, but only 38 years old and unknown before last year. That he may have pipped Bernie Sanders, who many thought would win Iowa handily, and sent Joe Biden, who leads many nationwide polls, into fourth place was a surprise. Mr Biden must now rally urgently, but the calendar does not bode well. Mr Sanders is tipped to win in New Hampshire next week, and Mr Biden might finish in third. Two clobberings is not a good look for a front-runner who would then endure weeks of negative scrutiny before Nevada's caucuses, in which he polls well but which do not come until February 22nd, an eternity away in politics. Tax Competition – Scotland's Budget the devolution of income tax powers to the Scottish Parliament in 2016 means the body must choose how to raise much of the £30 billion, £39 billion it spends every year. 
This forces politicians to weigh decisions more carefully, and this year more than most. Derek Mackay, Scotland's finance secretary, has nudged taxes up for higher earners in recent years. Usually, the British Chancellor of the Exchequer announces taxing and spending intentions the previous November. These then play into the Scots' own calculations. But because the British budget has been delayed until March 11th owing to December's general election, Mr Mackay of the Scottish National Party has made this year's choices presented today in the dark. If Boris Johnson's government offers tax cuts in March, Scotland could be left looking uncompetitive and Scottish voters feeling overtaxed. The relationship between Scotland and the rest of the Union only seems likely to come under further strain. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Isabella Beaton, who passed away on this day in 1865. The nation which knows how to dine has learnt the leading lesson of progress. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.